0: Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who really love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne journalists, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello. Coming up on today's show, did Chrissy Teigen finally give us an opportunity to talk about drinking alcohol in excess? The women whose reputations are ruined by their tenure on reality television and the Cosmopolitan cover that's generated more discussion than almost any other cover this year. But Michelle... Let's go first. How was your week? I totally, usually I Let's say, go but first, first. <laughs> oh, but first, how was your week? It
1: was a really good week. My football team won their first final. Oh my God. We know we have not
0: spoken about AFL. in I know. I was about to
1: say long-term listeners of the podcast would know that I am a footy fiend. I'm talking about AFL for anyone in Sydney or Queensland. I am a Richmond Tigers diehard supporter and it's only the women in my family and my brother a little bit who are Super, super invested into what Richmond do. We all, all six of us, it was my uh cousin Melissa, my sisters Evelyn and Claire, Mum, Tom, and I all went and we got rained on, but it was epic because we won by about thirty points. Did you have one of those condom raincoats on? Condom raincoats? You know what I'm talking about? My mum did bring one and she kept she kept thrusting it in everyone's faces, being like, You can put this on and we're like I'd prefer not to look like it. I
0: would put it on. It was raining pretty hard in Melbourne. Um, when
1: was it? Friday, Thursday night. Yeah. My cousin Mel was pretty soaked. Mm, pretty soaked. No how was think. your week?
0: Um, look, it was a <laughs> a fine week. It was. It, to be honest, it was one of those weeks where I literally just limped through as fast as I could. Yep. I was counting down the hours till the weekend because I was just exhausted. So <laughs> in, in the essence of full disclosure, that's how my week was.
1: Yeah. I do want to give a shout out to the listener who found us on lunch during the week as well we went out to lunch on wednesday and we were eating uh asian food when a listener came up to us who was literally listening to shameless as she stumbled across us i do want to let people know if you find zara and i together we do have lives outside of each other we absolutely don't that was my work lunch break too yeah i know so it just looks like we're joined at the hip
0: we actually don't really like I each other don't like that much at that all. Much, so if that, if that helps clear <laughs> things out. Hey, Mish, I think the first place we are obviously starting today is with Chrissy Teigen. You liked this story a lot, didn't you?
1: Yeah. So the first time we learned about Chrissy Teigen's relationship with alcohol was about this time last year mm-hmm. when she gave quotes and John, her husband, obviously John Legend gave quotes about John, John. No, we're on first so, name uh, basis onwards. Uh, They were talking about how after the birth of their first daughter, Luna, that Chrissy's relationship with alcohol became quite toxic. Mm. And she was saying that she was drinking to excess to the point where she'd wake up with bruises and have no idea how she got them. She was embarrassing herself and John in front of people that they really respected at really highbrow events and award shows and things like that. So it's now been regenerated. She did a interview with an Australian magazine and said that her relationship with alcohol has had a really murky history because her family has had a lot of Mm. alcohol abuse as well. What did you think about it?
0: I thought it was really interesting because I started thinking in the couple of days after reading the story that the relationship between celebrities and, and alcohol seems to be a very private one. It's also one we rarely get inside in because there's not really any glamour in alcohol. And I say this quote-unquote because there is probably a lot more glamour or we glorify drug use a little bit more than we do alcohol. Alcohol isn't sexy or cool, and particularly alcohol abuse isn't, isn't portrayed that way as it should be. But it is a pretty private thing. And very rarely I was thinking in reality TV, do we see celebrities with alcohol, apart from perhaps The Bachelor or Love Island, we actually never get insight into the private lives and how the patterns and how people drink, which I think is a real flaw because it's it's a huge problem, probably particularly back here in Australia in, in the way that we drink. And the fact that we don't actually have an ability to talk about that and leverage off celebrities talking about that is a, probably a huge flaw.
1: Yeah. And I'm interested to hear you say that it's not a good thing to be seeing people drink alcohol or it is quite private because people are ashamed of it i'm i think that might be in the u.s but i think here we do have a completely different attitude because i think particularly mm. around amongst people
0: our own age and sorry yeah i did mean in the hollywood sense like yeah. hollywood and alcohol just don't seem to be hollywood and cocaine whereas exactly
1: <laughs> but with our generation and our friends and our circles i guess back here in melbourne and australia it does seem like we have a really odd relationship with alcohol still i know in myself that if I choose not to go out drinking or if I go to an event and I'm not drinking that night simply because I don't want to, that can sometimes raise a problem for other people. So it's like you're not a good sport
0: or you're not uh, giving it a go if you're not going to go out and actually have a drink. There's absolutely an element of being boring about it or having no social life that that drinking and having a social life are somehow two things that must overlap at all times, which is mm. not true, of course. But it is interesting because, like you said, when it's Chrissy Teigen bringing this up, I can only think of two people in Australia off the top of my head, and I think this is a really important point, that have actually spoken openly about not being what they think a certified alcoholic would look like, but someone with an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And those two people would be Dave Hughes, who's had really productive conversations about why he had an unhealthy relationship with alcohol and why people perhaps wouldn't think that he was a stereotypical Alcoholic. Yeah, and it's now been decades since he had a drink. I don't think he's had a drink since he was 19 or 20. Yeah. Something pretty insane. And the radio host, Maz Compton, who was very similar in saying, I don't know if I would be textbook alcoholic, but I didn't have a good relationship with alcohol. But there are not many other people saying that. And I think that there are far more people in our lives and in the public eye that would have a really desperately unhealthy relationship with alcohol that we just don't hear from.
1: Yeah, With Maz Compton, I find her story really interesting because she often talks about her relationship with binge drinking Mm. so it wasn't like she was drinking every single day or that it was a vice for her or she had to drink before she went to work it wasn't that cliched alcoholic image it was that she would go out and not know where the line is she would not be able to stop drinking once she started and a good night for her would include blacking out and not remembering what the hell happened and it's troubling because i think i see so many people in that that image of Maz and that image of her as an alcoholic. And I think we do have such a problem with alcohol in Australia. And I know as myself, when I was much younger or between probably 18 and 22, my relationship with alcohol would have been classified as binge drinking. I don't
0: think, and I know this is a big statement, but most of the people that I know growing up in my circle and myself included probably did have a slight issue with alcohol growing up because everybody did binge drink. It was the only way that you drank. So I don't think I don't think many people are exempt from this conversation. It is just funny that that very rarely we are in a space, a celebrity space, which we do use celebrities a lot to be able to have really tough conversations about things. Yeah,
1: they're like great vehicles for chats like this. Exactly.
0: Yeah. But very rarely are we able to have a conversation about alcohol because very rarely are they talking about it because it's not very I don't know, I said sexy before, but it's not very Glamorous. Glamorous at all. Yeah. It's quite um, an underground kind of thing and everybody does have a very private relationship with it.
1: Particularly for her to link it to her postnatal depression. I Mm. find it really fascinating that this happened when she was a new mum and I think that might connect with a lot of women who are struggling and do feel lonely after the birth of their first child that alcohol or other things might be a vice for them in that situation so I think she's quite brave because I think we can judge new mums to a level that is just ridiculous and we hold them to such a high standard that of course they're going to fail and of course they're not going to live up to all of our expectations but for her to come out and say you know what yes, Luna was a baby and I was drinking so much in the makeup chair, I was getting blackout drunk, I think that's really quite brave for her because that's a time in your life where the level of judgement is at its absolute pinnacle.
0: Mm, Absolutely, especially now that she has two young kids. The other thing I was thinking is in in comparison to our conversation about drugs, and we do talk about drugs a lot, and I think in the wake of this morning, the death of, of, or reported death, I should say at this point, of Mac Miller, Ariana Grande's ex, which we will actually get to a little bit later, we talk about drugs a lot, but we don't actually talk about alcohol as a depressant. And I remember having a conversation with a close friend a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about everybody, it's pretty well known that that taking drugs can really affect the week after you take them. But rarely do we talk about alcohol being a depressant in the days to come. And I've had conversations with friends not being able to get out and go to work and feeling great about the lives that they're living when they are great because of binge drinking on the weekend. Yeah,
1: and I don't drink anywhere near as much as I used to because And I know anyone who has anxiety listening to this would be the exact same. My anxiety in the day after drinking is through the roof i cannot drink to excess anymore and i had one of the biggest nights of the year last year uh, went to a footy ball, which is routinely the biggest night for our friendship group. And I was nowhere near as intoxicated this year as I was any other year because I know now and I've learned myself that it's not worth it for the next day, that my brain and the way my mind is it cannot handle a hangover in the same way it used to anymore. And it just ruins
0: my mood. It's well, And that's the thing. It's not just a headache and it's not just the nausea that comes with a, with a hangover. A lot of my friends are now starting to feel really sad and really flat in the days to come. And I think that's a really important conversation. Where I did want to end with this So, mish is how do you think this will be generally received for somebody like chrissy Teigen?
1: i think she's very well loved for being so candid yeah and i know that we throw around the term authenticity all the time when we're talking about celebrities i actually think chrissy Teigen does nail it and i think she does break down that barrier that so many celebrities put up and i think she's loved for a reason Mm. she has this uh unwavering support from her fans for a reason. And I think she's really great for coming out for coming out and not only speaking about this once, but speaking about it again and again and again and always being open and transparent about something that many people would be really embarrassed by.
0: Yeah, especially because it's not that far into the past. It's no, not it's this, a couple of years. This is not something we're talking about five, ten years ago. This is pretty recent history. So I think it's pretty I hate the word brave too, but I think it's pretty strong of her to be able to do that. And I think I hate to put it this way, but it is pretty on brand. It's not against the brand that she's built. So in that sense, I agree with you. I don't think people are going to come out with with much trolling about this either.
1: Bravo, Chrissy Teigen. And now it's time for the Quick and Dirty, my favourite segment every single week. You guys know the drill. We give you the top five. Or in this case, six celebrity stories from the news cycle. Zara, you are taking it away. It is. I didn't know it was your favourite segment. Really? No.
0: It's well, my I, well, it's like only... I think you've just made that up on the spot. No, well, and... it's our only stable segment. So do I have much else no, to choose No, this is from? true. You know, my mum actually, <laughs> my mum has been leaving articles, like cut out physical articles from the newspaper on my bed to try and pitch them for the quick and cheerful, she called it this week, <laughs> which is so far from what it's actually called, it's not even funny. <laughs> Anyway, can I bring, and also I would like her to know, and all of you, that none of her stories made the cut. So. But what about last week? Her nickname for the Honey Badger was pretty great. Yeah, Smudgy Bugger. So, smudgy Bugger. Yeah. Okay, let's get into it. My first story on the list is from the Sydney Morning Herald, how tech entrepreneurs helped make crazy rich Asians the hit of the year. Right. It Why? It sounds weird, I, we've, both, we've both seen this movie yeah, and I loved it. What did you think? It's smashing it. It's great. It's sort of, I mean, I wouldn't go into the movie expecting you you're going to get a whole heap of highbrow lessons oh, from that. Who needs that though? You just need a fun night out it's with your girlfriends. Abso- it's the absolute pinnacle of, uh, it's the epitome of a sugar hit.
1: Oh, my God, I love it. I loved it, yeah.
0: So I thought this story was really interesting because obviously Crazy Rich Asians has been doing amazing in the box office. Mm -hmm. But what I read in Sydney Morning Herald this week by Carl Quinn, I think, who is their TV and film writer, is that what the director of Crazy Rich Asians did before the film had been released, because there was a lot writing on this film being an all-Asian cast, and I think they felt very passionately that if there was a lot writing on it, it needed to go well to prove that diversity works on screen because we know it does. So what he did is he got a whole heap of um, Silicon Valley's top tech entrepreneurs from Asian backgrounds and said, put them in a room and said, this is not just important for us, it's good business if this movie goes well. So he asked them to buy out cinemas across the world and fill them with influencers. So all of these tech entrepreneurs bought out, I think, 100 cinemas, invited really famous people so that they would start snapping it, and that was the start of the... Generated all the buzz. Yeah, and I'm sure the film would have done brilliantly anyway, but it was just a really lovely way for them to try and take control of how the public would receive the movie.
1: Oh, my God, I love it. That is such a good movie. If you haven't seen it and you want a night out just to forget about whatever's going in your life right now, go see Crazy Rich Asians. It is a very, very good film. It's great.
0: Number two, old mate, Grenith Paltrow's Goop settles for $145,000 lawsuit over baseless vaginal eggs health claim from Business Insider. I added old mate to the headline. <laughs>
1: old mate. <laughs> so what does she do? She, she said that putting vag eggs... In your vag. Do
0: you remember this story? It was from a year or so ago. It was these jade eggs and they encourage you to, women to put them up their vagina, whether that be for healing stuff or for drive. Pelvic rides, floor Pelvic stuff? floor stuff. I don't even know, but stuff that shouldn't, stuff j- that doesn't require an egg. It, uh, and not a jade egg, and it's not got to do any... And nothing that should be to do with health. Right. Anyway, so they were sued in a civil suit. They settled for about 145000 US dollars, I should say. So more than that when it comes to Australian dollars, and have said that they won't be flaunting this narrative anymore. What happens to all the women who went out and bought their jade I know. (laughs) Such a shame. (laughs) Number three. You think the story is super weird, but this is one of my favorite celeb stories from the week. This is from the ABC. Actors defend Cosby show star Jeffrey Owens, who was spotted packing groceries. Please explain. So earlier in the week, Jeffrey Owens is a star from, a former star from the Cosby show, who was quite well known in the US back in his heyday. And someone spotted him packing groceries at the local Trader Joe's, took photos of him, working a real job, and sent them into the Daily Mail Aww. to try and do this nasty takedown, like, look where this actor is now, he's really struggling. It's a really awful story. And instead... Wait, of- the Daily Mail doing an awful know, story? Right. That's uncharacteristic. Well, and instead of-, of all of the tabloids jumping on the bandwagon, so many actors came out in passionate defence of him saying, what the fuck are you guys doing? Of course it's hard for us to get work all the time. Yeah. And it was, there was this really heartbreaking story in The Hollywood Reporter after these, where Jeffrey Owen said the first thing he did when he found out this story was going to break was text his 19-year-old son to apologize because he's like, I'm sorry if this is going to embarrass you. Oh, my God, I want to cry. it's so sad. It's so sad. But since then, he said he's mulling over TV offers since it broke and that people are having conversations with him about getting back into the industry. And even if it doesn't work, I think there's a really important conversation that's come up about how, my God, once a star doesn't mean always a star. And some of them are going to have to work real jobs at some point.
1: If you guys could see my face right now, I look very distraught. And you
0: didn't want this story in The Quick and Dirty, and I had to fight for it.
1: Okay, I didn't realise, okay, I just read Jeffrey Owens, I was like, don't know who he is, <laughs> cross it off the list. So, oh, that's so sad, I but know. it's good that he might be getting work.
0: Yeah, exactly. And okay. he said, and oh. he has been open about saying, I don't want work just because people feel sorry for me. Like, that's not what I want either. That so his message really... part is just heart-wrenching. Yeah, really awful. Number four. <laughs> On a lighter note. <laughs> much lighter no. instagram influencer cops death threats not so light for sponsored pick of fake pancakes pedestrian tv take it away michelle i know this is your favorite story
1: okay i think it's pretty hilarious the story at the crux of it so basically this story we're never for death threats anyone who sends a death threat is a disgusting human being and we are not condoning that at all however the crux of this story is pretty hilarious Basically, this influencer, I think she's from either Canada or the UK, was paid to do a promotion for a pancake brand. I'm guessing this would have been done on something like Tribe or an mm. app where they just said, we'll pay you for a photo of this. She posts a photo of tortil- uh, tortillas. Is that what they were? It was like, it was... They looked like wraps. Yeah, wraps folded over with a few berries on top of them and an empty mug, which she was saying was tea. And all these followers of hers jumped in the comment section and was like, these aren't even pancakes. You've literally got tortilla wraps. I think it went viral
0: because somebody <laughs> took a screenshot of the photo <laughs> and put it on Twitter and said, fuck off, no one's morning looks like this. Instagram is a ridiculous lie factory. Yeah. And I loved that. Although lie it was factory, I like A ridiculous that. lie factory I really loved. Apart from the fact it was quite harsh, I did think it was quite cutting and straight to cut to the chase in that Instagram is a ridiculous life factory and this photo is filled with lies. Especially where tortillas are suddenly pancakes. Tortillas or tortillas?
1: Tortillas. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I've probably offended a whole bunch of people <laughs> again. Um, Yeah, well, I just think this is hilarious. And the outrage is interesting. I do think we reserve a certain level of hatred for people that we deem super lucky. Mm. And I think the general public does see influencers as incredibly blessed individuals. So for an influencer to screw up, that's why they always get this
0: really harsh backlash. Because Well, there's a sense, I think, that they don't deserve their platform because they've just sort of winged it. And in many cases, that's not the case. In some cases, I will say, might be the case. Yeah,
1: in many cases, it's not the case. However, if you're passing off Tortillas as uh, fake pancakes. Oh, so or as pancakes going for tortillas little... now, not tortillas. Yeah, I know. I think I was wrong to say tortilla. I probably just made a whole bunch of people cringe yeah, and but turn off the podcast. If you're still here, I'm welcome. I'm sure that happens
0: a lot, though, so I wouldn't be surprised.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just love that story. I think that's so funny. It... No one sent her
0: death threats, but it is pretty hilarious. It is funny. Number five, I regret nothing, says M. Rusciano, as she exits Today FM Breakfast from Mumbrella.
1: So it was Em's last week, it this was. week, and it was originally the M. Rusciano radio show... Which We've covered Emrociano we pretty deeply in an episode of a couple months ago. But this was quite abrupt, her announcing that she was leaving Breakfast Radio. It was announced on Monday and her
0: last day was Friday. I mean, Breakfast Radio or radio in general don't do anything slowly. Generally, no. if somebody quits or somebody gets sacked, that's it. I know that Rasciano is pregnant, for those who weren't aware. So she thought, I'm just going to get out while I want to look after this baby. She was pretty open about a miscarriage that she had uh, last year and how that really affected her and she wanted to really look after this baby in this pregnancy, Mm. which I think is really responsible and and the right thing for her and her family if that's what she wants to do. It's interesting, of course, that this comes in the wake of a lot of negative press around her involvement in that radio show and how unhappy the station was with the dynamic in the production team and and between the hosts. Mm. And well, there was a lot of chatter that she didn't speak to Ed
1: Cavalier in the ad breaks. Yeah,
0: and so it's hard to see whether this was her preempting perhaps that the this, this show wasn't going to be re- renewed next year. I mean, we're being very cynical about it, but I don't think we can ignore the backlash around the show or the outright... Not the... the, And the context... all the
1: context here is just glaringly obvious that things haven't been good for a while. They haven't been good for the entire year, really. So for her to announce that she's leaving, yes, of course, the pregnancy would have been a
0: factor in that. I don't think it's the
1: only factor. I don't think so
0: either. And I just think good on her for getting out while and wanting to take control of that story first. Yeah, absolutely. Adding a sick story here today because we are recording on the morning that it was reported that rapper Mac Miller died at the age of twenty six. That's from The Guardian, and I think if The Guardian are reporting that, that's pretty well yeah. true now. Of a suspected overdose. Yes. He
1: has had substance abuse issues for years. I think the most disgraceful part of this story, obviously it's devastating that Mac Miller has died, but the trolling of Ariana Grande
0: and saying that she's somehow responsible for this is pretty outrageous and Oh, it's awful. I just read just then as I was getting that article up that she had disabled comments on her Instagram, which is not a great sign because obviously they're noticing that things are coming in on her Instagram. So she's just turned it off. She hasn't, at the time we're recording, she has not addressed it. I imagine she'll release a statement pretty soon.
1: Yeah. And if it's a suspected suicide, I think we need to remember... Everyone goes through relationship trauma and relationship breakups. No one takes their life because of that. People take their lives because they're suffering with severe mental health problems. Yes. And no one incident, despite what... 13 Reasons Why and things mm. like that try to tell us, there is no one reason someone tries to take their life. So to try and blame Ariana Grande for moving on and getting engaged and that being the reason someone potentially mm. took their own life is pretty crazy and pretty misguided. We have to be careful,
0: though. We don't know what... We don't know no, but it's what just, happened. It's, it's reported yeah. at the moment. but and any- if that's the case, he... Yeah, It's pretty sad regardless that he is 26, a pretty talented musician for more reports. And um, it's it's not great for that industry at the moment with drug use and death, especially among young men who are clearly quite troubled. So I wonder if, if much will change now because I think this is too many shocks and too many deaths. Mm. And for anyone struggling,
1: the number for Lifeline is 13 11 14.
0: Okay, well, I'm not going to sit here and try and like convince you of who I am because I know who I am I know I'm not a bad person I'm here for the right reasons I packed up my life in Bali and came back and I want you to find love and I also want to find that too so you know I know these girls might maybe some of them have said negative stuff but this whole to debacle that was nothing even to do with me
1: They're the women that had all of Australia, well, most of it anyway, talking. This season of The Bachelor delivered Romy, Kat and Alicia, three of the most villainous contestants we've seen in the show's history. When they weren't busy critiquing another woman's stomach, they were belittling and intimidating practically anyone they deemed a threat. While the conversation about bullying is such a worthwhile one, we believed it's been discussed pretty extensively over the last fortnight. So, Zara, let's go one step further. Is it wise for reality TV shows to pursue these trashy, ugly
0: storylines, and what the hell happens to the women who are at the crux of them? I think this is really interesting because I know last week and in the weeks before I've been wondering how good it is for brand for The Bachelor to have storylines like this that don't make people feel good for watching. And then on Thursday night, which was the night that The Bachelor let go, Romy, Alicia and Cat, it won the night with 899,000 people tuning in across the country. So Australians, and you could argue, of course, that people wanted to watch because they were getting kicked out, but people wanted to watch because they had been invested in the bullying narrative from the start. Mm. So Australians were really invested not just in the bullying narrative but in the negativity around the show the whole time. And in that case, to answer your first questions, is it wise for them to pursue these trashy, ugly storylines? I think it will take a very long time for us to see that. But in the short term, yes. Mm,
1: I think with these type of things, and when you do go down the trashy route or you go down the clickbait route, we'll use clickbait in terms here where it's kind of talking about they're pulling you in with quite a Mm. ugly misleading storyline that isn't really relevant clickbait in this sense is good immediately i think it has an an instant payoff yes however if you keep going down the road of clickbait and of trash journalism or trash content eventually that audience will turn away if you want to foster a really loyal wonderful audience who feel good about watching your show the gains will be far less there won't be these spikes but they'll be far more consistent and they probably won't drop off anywhere
0: near as quickly whereas resentment can really grow oh it festers. And yeah it really does fester so in the short term ratings will tell you that they absolutely won but i wonder how faith in that brand will continue in the future and if they try to pull this again in another season, I really think it's not going to bode well for them. Mm. I think also the idea of hate-watching isn't a sustainable concept for reality shows. It might work for a season or two, but we were hate-watching this during the week. And I think in this case it was good because it started a conversation and and bad TV suddenly becomes an ethical and pop culture phenomenon. Uh, It becomes fodder for parents to lecture their children. It becomes fodder for young people to have conversations about bullying. But it also makes us feel like we're part of something greater, we're part of a movement. And I think when we're talking about it so much and we feel like we're part of something, often in turn that turns into bullying itself.
1: Yes, it's pretty quickly that you can have a reaction to what you're seeing on TV but then reciprocate and perpetuate exactly what you're saying is bad. The irony is outrageous. Yeah, so for people to come out and say that Romy and Kat are being bullies, which of course I agree they are, but to then tackle that in a way that's not productive and nasty in itself that's then bullying again and as we know the pendulum can swing quite quickly that when the power lies in the hands of the public we can really push back and all of a sudden everything's thrown off kilter because yes Romy and Kat did have a really negative influence on that house but we are no better if we then slam them with disgusting comments and hate we need
0: to deal with this in a really intellectual and productive way which is what frustrates me to no end and I think this is absolutely not an anomaly when it comes to how we respond to these things we are full of outrage all the time and it's good that we feel things. But the fact that the conversations we have around this actually lack nuance disappoints me because it means we actually lose the argument because we start giving them death threats. we actually lose all power to hold them to account because we've gone too hard too fast and that sucks because i think there is a really productive conversation to be had it's just some people take it too far and then it's ruined it for all
1: and you know what i think it is i think we channel all of our emotion into how we react and i think we deal with this now that our facebook group so the facebook group that we have for the podcast which is called shameless celebrity gossip if you want to come join
0: shameless plug
1: yeah it is well that's now got 1,500 women in it, right? Correct. We sometimes struggle to moderate that group because we see how much people feel the emotion in what they're talking about and how they react to things. But we don't want that group to ever... Uh, transgress or go into that area where it's nasty and bitchy and when people are reacting and firing from the hip all the time when this stuff is happening and that outrage is there it can often have that mean tone to it. absolutely and not in unintentional
0: not exactly as well but i think that's the most important point is that a lot of us don't realize what we're partaking in when we're joining the conversation in a really harsh way
1: yeah so it's fine to critique these women because they've done some really quite crap Things. But to then critique them using the same type of words and language and tone that they critiqued women on the show with is very hypocritical and not helpful to anyone. What I'm really interested in now is Romy and Kat are two women who will rely on the the public for their future work i mean alicia's in politics i'm not sure how this will affect her she's a political advisor i would say not very well i think she's going to struggle to potentially get work Mm. in what is a very serious sphere i think her credibility would have taken a hit for sure yeah Romy works in photography and professional shoots, whereas Kat owns her own business. I will be fascinated to see what happens to their careers now that they won't even be accepted onto radio shows to do interviews. That's how hardline some people are going about this. Fifi Box came out and said, I cannot in good conscience invite Kat onto my show because I don't think she brings anything positive or did bring anything positive on the show. So I want to know what the hell happens to these two women who acted really poorly on national television, now have these reputations. What happens to their
0: lives? This is what I do wonder, because I wonder if they just misread the room. I wonder if they went on this show, and I know there's so many conversations that they come out and say, our whole personality wasn't shown. And believe you me, I believe that. But that's actually not the point. The point is, as a lot of people have pointed out already, you said those things. And that you might be the nicest person in the world 90% of the time, but if that's 10% of your personality, that's a problem. And I do wonder if they... Thought that, that perhaps they could be the edgy one that could have a career longer than 15 minutes in the public eye after the show, but they totally misread the room and just went too hard.
1: Well, this is where I'm a little bit confused. Because I don't know right? how
0: they're going to have a strong social following like Kira Maguire, who sort of towed the line a little bit better.
1: Did she? I'm not sure yeah. she did. I remember the outrage when Kira was on The Bachelor a couple of years ago. I wouldn't be surprised if people like Romy and Kat oh, have be on... seen Kira's transformation yeah, yeah. and gone, I'm going to do that. I'll make my mark as the villain and slowly I'll be invited onto The Bachelor in Paradise. So I'll be they given these be. extra opportunities and that's how my career will transform and I'll morph my image in the public eye because this is where I'm confused, Right. There's this unwavering love for Kira now and this unwavering adoration for everything she does and she is renowned as this woman who's really candid and outspoken. She was a bully on her season of The Bachelor. She was no better than these
0: two. No, you're absolutely right, but I don't know if it was as calculated as that or if it was, I don't think. I think they absolutely underestimated the fury of the nation mm-hmm. and they, you, I saw videos of them in radio studios being interviewed yesterday after their eviction or elimination and they did look broken and i thought that nobody in their right mind would put themselves through this in the hope that eventually their reputation would be restored i don't think anyone's going to make that decision at least not knowing the full scope of how how angry we would be i do want to bring in another story that was pretty widely reported this week but more in the uk Um, It was in Celebrity Big Brother. I don't know if you read much of this story.
1: I saw a little bit, but
0: I did hear about it on a few
1: other podcasts, and I want you to give me a full recap because it went a little bit over my head, but I know it's a huge story in the UK. It's very
0: interesting that these kinds of things are happening at the same time. So on Celebrity Big Brother at the moment, there was a contestant called Roxanne Pallet who... Was Danny in the kitchen area of the show, and she's an actress. That's yeah, why she's well, a they're all sort of well known in. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're A great celebrities in the UK, but they are all relatively. Are they well ever known. on celebrity no. shows like that? Yeah. So these are all pretty well known people in the country already. Roxanne was in the kitchen area of the show, of the show, of the house, and fellow contestant Ryan Thomas came around and did a little like one two, punch punch, but sort of play. I really have to be careful here, but it was like a play, playful thing, playful thing into the side of her chest. And it was just like a fun thing that friends do, and then he walked away. Next thing we know is that she laughs that off in that moment and is joking around. She goes to the diary room and calls him a woman beater. She says that she doesn't feel safe sleeping in the same room as him. She doesn't want him on the show. She accuses him of um, sort of domestic violence in that kind of setting. And very, very luckily, that incident was caught on camera. When it was caught on camera and the, and Britain was shown, what actually happened everybody went nuts and rightly so because what could have happened in this instance is that that wasn't caught on camera and we had her word versus his in the climate that they were in we're probably more likely to believe her yeah which is quite terrifying that that there was a chance that footage might not have been there so roxanne got evicted from the house has called herself the most hated woman in britain at the moment his family are quite outraged and rightly so for your son and your brother your or your family member to be called a wife beater when he was just having fun with a friend is is really, really sad. But people are piling onto her to such a to such a point now where again we can't have smart discussions about domestic violence and essentially the Me Too movement because we've gone so hard so quickly. Yeah.
1: That the whole story is really bizarre to me with what happened there and why she chose to react the way she did or twist the way she did. And she has it's come confusing. out and said I stuffed up, I got it wrong. It is a really, really confusing uh, narrative, that one. Another one that we can pull into this discussion of what happens to reality TV villains after they leave is from My Kitchen Rules Australia, Lauren Finelli was a villain on the 2016 season. She went on You Can't Ask That, which is ABC's uh, really popular show. She went on that this year and said she struggled to find work for years after the show. Like She still struggles to find work and make money because she's renowned as that bitchy girl from MKR. So I think this actually does affect them for a long time afterwards. And with someone like Kat and Romy, they don't have much of an option other than to be an influencer or to make money off Instagram endorsement deals in a professional setting outside of that. They're not going to be very highly valued for quite a long time. And in saying that being an influencer on Instagram is not a
0: steady form of income unless you're the top 1%. Exactly, and I think that's what Kieran McGuire is relying on, and that just broke her relationship, as we now know. I do wonder now where our sympathy lies, because it—I do feel sorry for Kat and Romy and Roxanne, in in a sense that the the public outrage is is heavy and it it can break people, but it does just point now to the naivety that we all have about reality television and how and the power of post production. If we don't have really strong conversations, that's actually where the conversation needs to be. And I know we try to have it all the time. So many people going into these shows clearly have no idea how they relinquish all power when they walk in. And I think that's what we need to keep telling people that want to sign up. This week, American model Tess Holliday graced the cover of Cosmopolitan for the very first time, and almost as soon as the mag hit stands, the headlines followed. You see, in a world that glorifies the skinny, Cosmo tried to do something different. Holliday, for context, is size 26. UK commentator Piers Morgan came out swinging, as Piers Morgan often does, calling the cover as dangerous and misguided as celebrating size zero models.
1: We are a fat and ever-fattening country. And here are you as an editor of a a very popular magazine telling women it's fine to be £300. I don't get it.
0: Some were outraged. Others were outraged by the outrage. Mish, how closely did you follow the evolving public discussion and where did you sit with it all? Quite closely.
1: I am very conflicted about this. Before I say anything, I want to acknowledge my own privilege. I am a size 8 woman.
0: Yeah, I think we should both do that.
1: We are both naturally thin women we come from thin families uh my entire family has very athletic builds and I do not want anything that we say here to be misconstrued or to be um taken with offence because this is such a sensitive topic mm. and women are so closely policed for their bodies and it's ridiculous and I know in myself that when I've been the slimmest, I have most definitely not been my healthiest. And I do not think health and size are very closely correlated at all. And so before we say anything else, we do need to acknowledge that, that we are thin women. This is coming from the perspective of thin women. And we cannot give voice to other shapes and sizes because we haven't lived in them. Mm. So I hope that everything we say is uh, sensitive to those women because I would hate to offend anyone based on their size or their body because that
0: is the last thing we want to do in this podcast and that's not what we're built on I absolutely agree with that and I think that is a really important thing to start with I I did a lot of reading on this probably because there are many perspectives that I don't understand and haven't lived and so it's really important for me to actually get that information in inside of me so that I can think very clearly about this and I feel very passionate about this topic now When I saw Piers Morgan say that putting Tess Holliday on the cover of Cosmopolitan was exactly the same as celebrating a size zero model, I couldn't help but laugh because it is an outrageous comment to make. It is absolutely not the same thing. Firstly, her body wasn't talked about. It wasn't the focus of the interview. So you're not glorifying anything just by placing it in the public eye.
1: Yeah, it's acting like by just existing, she's offending people or is automatically wrong.
0: Which is absurd. But particularly because this is such an anomaly. like this, The reason we're having this conversation is because we haven't seen a woman like Tess on the cover. So we're not glorifying it just by putting it there. I think you're also ignoring, if you if you're coming from that point of view, historic and deeply entrenched ideas about the beauty ideal that mean even if we had a hundred, a hundred thousand, a hundred million test holidays on a hundred different covers, we wouldn't move a centimetre from how we glorify tiny women.
1: Yeah, and I do want to give voice to what I absolutely love about this cover because I'm very torn down the middle. I love some things and I really dislike some mm-hmm. things about this cover. What I love is the love your love the skin you're in mantra that this is pushing. And I love, love, love Tess Holliday's, uh message of fuck your beauty standards. She puts that on a lot of her photos. She put it in a lot of comments when she was talking about this cover because exactly fuck the beauty standards that tell us that size 6 and size 8 women are the only attractive women because that is ridiculous ridiculous and tess holiday is gorgeous her face is stunning just as so many women who are plus size and i use plus size in inverted commas because i know many women don't actually like that term unfortunately we don't have another one i I know curvy women So any challenge to that beauty standard and that historic ideal of what makes a woman beautiful is so welcome, and I so love that. The other thing I really enjoy about this cover is the mental health aspect of it. Depression and suicide are such major killers for obese women and men, and I think any type of messaging that tells them you are beautiful and you can be loved and you are just fine as you are is awesome because we should not be pushing this message that you are never enough we're constantly telling women that so to tell women who might be of Tessa's size that they are enough and they do not need to change they do not need to drop a size just to fall in love or to have men look at them a certain way or to feel wanted i adore that i think that is great 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 so those are the two things i think are really positive and beneficial about this cover and i would applaud them if it would be annoying for all of your ears listening That's it.
0: A little clap thing.
1: That said, there are things I do not love. Okay. Which is I do not love the message of health at any size because it's not productive or accurate to say health at any size when we're only operating in extremes, right? So magazines are coming out. They're giving us thousands of covers with size four and six women on them and then a couple of covers with size 30 women on them. And to say health at any size when you're operating in such extremes is not accurate. Health at any size exists when you are in the 98 percentile, right? When you are between a size six and a size 20, 22, 24, whatever. However, if you are super morbidly obese, if you are At a BMI of 50, like what Tess Halliday is, you are more than two times likely to die young. 2.5 times more likely to die young from heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and your life expectancy is significantly reduced to those within a normal weight range. Can I just play
0: devil's advocate here? I don't understand why so many people take other people's health upon themselves as, as... Like I, I have to police your health. If they, if someone wants to be that size, and if someone wants to be that size, knowing willingly that perhaps they might die a bit younger, what's it to us? Oh, of course. I just don't like the messaging that
1: a lot of people putting out that
0: health and size aren't correlated. No, I agree. I agree with you. No, I agree with you. And I think that it's a good point. And I know there was. There's been some. There's been a lot of conversations around obesity crises, and uh, we have one in Australia, the UK have one as well. And I think to try and collate the two in talking about we have an obesity crisis and Tess Holiday's on the cover of Cosmopolitan are actually entirely mutually exclusive. I don't understand why somebody like Tess Holiday is is bearing the brunt of everybody's outrage about an obesity crisis. If you are actually worried about the, our health as a country, why don't we take issue with McDonald's or why shit food is cheaper? Why aren't we having conversations or a much harder, tougher complex conversation about poverty and nutrition and why it's bloody hard for some families to buy expensive organic food and why when you don't have much money, that's not a priority. I don't understand why we think that it's Tess Holiday's responsibility to have this conversation and why we don't just want to engage in a much harder conversation about poverty and things like that, because I think that's more important and more relevant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Really, we need to be talking about habits and health. Mm. So research, so much research shows that irrespective of your size, your mortality and morbidity will depend on four key criteria. That is how often you exercise drinking in moderation, eating enough fruits and vegetables, and whether or not you smoke. So what we should be talking about when it comes to women is how regularly they're going for a run or going to the gym or playing netball or whatever, how much they're drinking every week, how many serves of fruit and veggies they're getting every single day, and if they're smoking or not. We don't talk anywhere near enough about those habits
0: because we're always too busy talking about dress sizes that simply don't matter. What I do want to talk about as well is... Is the idea that, that you said there's no sort of in between at the moment where they've either got size four models or size zero models and, and size 30 models. But, I remember listening to – this is going to sound a roundabout way of making this point, but I think it's important. Go for it. Take us on the roundabout way. (laughs) Thank you. So I remember listening to uh, Will Anderson's interview with Jules Land on Willosophy, which is a great interview. I'll actually put it in the show notes just as an aside because it's just a really good listen. And they were talking about women in positions of power in executive teams in businesses. And I was very nervous listening to this conversation because there's nothing – I I want more than for men to have this conversation, but I didn't want them to fuck it up. I really didn't want them to fuck it up. And they didn't. And they both said that they agree with quotas. And the reason that they agree with quotas, not because... Every single woman that's going to be hired is going to be as good as the men that probably could have, but because the pendulum has to swing really far out before it can recalibrate. And I think when it comes to Tess Holiday and when it comes to body image and beauty ideals, the pendulum has to swing very wide before it actually can recalibrate. So we're not saying that anything is necessarily ideal because I don't think that's a very productive way of us having a conversation about bodies because there should not be an ideal weight. There should not be an ideal body. There should not be an ideal face or a sense of attractiveness. But why, why not have someone like Tess Holiday on the cover? It's just one step to bringing it back to what the average woman looks like. I mean, Tess Holiday is a model. She's far more beautiful probably than I am. She do you, is. Not do good. you know what I mean? So it's, thank you. <laughs> You're
1: gorgeous. Don't worry about but it. But do
0: you know what I mean? We have to push women like that out on the cover until we can recalibrate and start talking about quote-unquote normal.
1: I don't know. I I think we act like putting a
0: size 12, 14, 16 woman on the cover is really difficult. And really, it should be quite easy. It's not. But I think because Tess Holiday has the following that she does, it's much easier for people to for for magazines to put her on the cover because she's such a power force in the industry.
1: Well, i tell you what, when we start seeing size 10 to 22, 24 women on the cover, it will be a very welcome, welcome change. Oh, it will be wonderful. Yeah. And as much as we talk about this, let's not kid ourselves. Being underweight is not good for your health either. It leaves you with a diminished immune function, susceptible to osteoporosis. It leaves you susceptible to fertility issues and heart disease. So... As always, I think we need to look for moderation that you, being too skinny is not good for global health and not good for Australians' health. And being too overweight is not good for health. And the more we talk really specifically about this topic in terms of, uh, numbers is not helpful. It's not helpful at all because we know in Australia, less than 0.5% of kids are eating enough fruits and veggies. Less than half of all women are getting enough exercise. We're not eating enough fiber in our diets and we've, complicated this discussion to the point where it is just ridiculous. It is really quite simple and we need to start thinking of health in really basic terms
0: and we don't speak about that way well, anymore. of course but it's still outrageous that we're having a conversation about health and we're having a conversation about Tess Holiday. and I think that's what frustrates me. A couple of things I want to touch on. Stephanie Yuboa, who is a blogger as well posted a really great tweet this week that got thousands of retweets and it was Photos of maybe five or six men who are on the cover of magazines who are the same size as Tess Holliday with their tops off that didn't generate any conversation. The second thing that actually makes me really sad is that most people wouldn't even know what the feature interview was about and the fact that the contents of the interview that she gave are ignored, are appalling. She spoke about her rape. How many people wouldn't know that? Because we're too busy talking about her size on the cover. Yeah, absolutely. She was talking about... Uh, the Me Too movement, she was talking about sexual assault, she was talking about trauma, and we're not having a conversation about that, we're having a conversation about her body. Mm. It's really, really disappointing to me. Sally Hughes wrote a great piece for The Pool this week about it. I quite like Sally's writing. I'll also put this in the show notes. And she took aim with the conversation being hijacked with this kind of sense of faux concern about health and wellness. And she said, let's not convince ourselves that we are part of the solution by claiming it's not mental health, poverty, the loss of cooking skills, advertising, the easy and cheap availability of high sugar convenience foods, the selling of school playing fields, the eating of chips, pies or any other proven factors contributing to obesity that makes us as a population overweight. The fact that we're not having that conversation, but we're having a conversation about Tess Holiday, she says, is absurd. I just want to add one line that she wrote because I, thought, I think her piece is really brilliant. She said, let's not play along with the ludicrous notion that a rise in obesity can be caused by one woman on one magazine saying, I'm here, I'm alive, I'm happy, and you cannot break me with unkindness. Because it doesn't take a genius to see that this reductive, simplistic, lazy, and more convenient argument is a big fat lie. Love that. Yeah, it's a great piece. It's really, really good. It's so true that so much of, we're projecting so much of our fat phobia onto a woman who shouldn't be bearing the brunt of our own bias.
1: No, no. And I think the ultimate thing to come from this discussion is that you can be healthy and happy and that does not relate to your dress size really at all there's a very small correlation there but if you are doing those four things that we spoke about earlier who gives a fuck what size you are nobody knows what dress size you are nobody's looking at that label if you do those four things and if you take care of your body in that way that is literally all that matters
0: I think that's all we've got time for. It
1: is. Thank you so much for joining us for episode twenty-seven, guys. We say this every single week. We had our bi- no. We don't say this every single week because last week was our biggest week of downloads. Ever, We have just gone from strength to strength since you got back from Europe, Zara. And we cannot thank you guys enough. Seriously, the amount of downloads we've had in the last week have blown us away. And your love on Instagram stories and messages and joining the Facebook group has just been incredible. So if you want to join us, how can they join us, Zara? How can they promote Shameless?
0: You can put us on your Instagram story if you really like. We do share them come Monday morning because we do really love seeing you putting it out there, and it's a really good way to spread the word and, and actually tell your friends. I have got a few messages in the last couple of weeks about people saying, I really like this show, and by the way, I'm telling my friends, and I'm like, God, yeah. we're so bossy. Um, no, but, but telling your friends yeah. is honestly such a lovely thing to do for us, and it we is can't really thank great. you for that. Um, you can also leave a review if you would like. You can also make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple iTunes if that's where you listen, because subscribes are really helpful too for us to know how many people are actively engaging in the show every week. And we would really appreciate that.
1: We would. We would. So come join us in the Facebook group. Come follow us on Instagram. Uh, join in the discussion. I mean, there's 1,500 women now in our Facebook group yeah. and the conversations in there, and men, sorry, to any men who yeah, are in there, there, there are and men. posting messages now, welcome. You are always welcome to How can come join the Facebook group. So if you go into Facebook and search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip, click, uh, I guess you have to request access. We do look at it every single day, so we'll get to you as soon as we can, but with 1500 women in there there's such intelligent and interesting conversations always going on and Yeah, invite your friends if you're already in the group. If you think they need someone to debrief on The Bachelor with or if they really love celebrities or influencer culture, invite them. It's such a great, great place of really beautiful people in there. And on our Instagram, of course, we're always posting funny
0: shit and random stuff. I would not say funny. I would just say shit. (laughs) But regardless, we will be in the Facebook group. We will be on our Instagram and we will be chatting to you guys next week for episode 28. Bye, guys.